the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Hello and welcome to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, which you can download for free on the BBC Essex website. That's bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. I'm Ken Crowther and coming up on the podcast this week, Tom Cole is my special guest. As well as answering your gardening questions on all things from tomatoes without seeds and feeding fruit trees, we'll also bring you some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our brand new Plant of the Week feature, all exclusive to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Let's start then with this week's plant of the week, which is Sarka Cocker or Christmas Box. Or Sweet Box. And in fact, I know why they're all called Sweet and Christmas, because it flowers through Christmas. And the sweetness, the smell. Well, it's one of those things, you smell it before you see the plant. You do. It's a fabulous plant. Now, it's it's evergreen, isn't it? Yeah, it's a a relatively low-growing, evergreen, dense shrub where the leaves are opposite each other, slight point to the leaf, and the flowers emerge on the growth produced last year in little clusters of creamy mm. white flowers. And in fact, the, the leaf, you, you said it's, it's put slightly pointed, but it's quite small. And in fact, I've even seen it used as a hedge. Have you seen that? Yep, yep. It's, um, it's qu- quite a nice alternative to a uh, box, typical, typical box. box. Um, and it, because it flowers on the wood produced last year, if you just shape it as a hedge, it, you'll still get that flower. Which means you don't lose it, which is quite important, isn't it? Yeah. So sarcococca should be available in all good garden centres and nursery at this time of the year. And isn't it important to get out there at this time of the year, Tom, and have a look at stuff that is in flower to brighten up your garden at this time of the year? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, this particular plant, I've got it growing in, in tubs. Uh, it likes a slightly acidic soil, but it can tolerate slightly high um, pH and almost neutral. If it gets a little bit too yellow, you need to look at your soil conditions. Uh, but it is quite a low... It can smother the ground to a degree. It's not a, it's not a ground cover plant, but it can, if it's grouped correctly, can really create a nice sort of carpet through a bed or border. So that's Sarkococca, Christmas box... Or sweet box. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Still to come on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, Tom Cole and I will bring you some top tips on things you can be doing in the garden this week. But let's now hear what you've called us about. And we start with Dennis in Hornchurch. Good morning. Uh, a simple question. I have an apple and a plum tree in the garden. They're about, oh, about 10 foot high, I suppose. Um, would it be beneficial to put grow more around the roots? Uh, all fertiliser helps, doesn't it, Tom? Yeah, I would, I'd hold back for the moment, though. I would do that more from March onwards because Growmore's got nitrogen. If you put it down too early, you get lots of sappy growth, and if we then have a cold snap, it can burn off that growth. So come out to around March time and then apply it. And there's lots of different sort of rates, really. So have a look on the back of the packaging to see what the rates are. But I tend to go for something like 35 to 50 grams a square metre. Now, the thing about don't put the the fertiliser close too close to the trunk because that isn't where the feeding roots are. The feeding roots are out where the canopy of the plant is. Does that make okay. sense? So if you imagine yourself, draw a line down where the branches are and that is where your feeder roots are. And one of the ways of doing getting the food to the roots is actually driving a pole down into the ground 
or a stake, making a hole, dropping some fertiliser down it and then putting some soil back on top all the way around the tree every sort of every two or so feet. Yeah, it's a good, way, good way of doing it. All right? Yes, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. That's Dennis from Hornchurch who's given us a call on 0300 200 40 41. Joy in Sudbury. Hello, Joy. Hello. I'm a bit croaky, so you'll have to excuse me. That's okay. Um, we've got this trail going across the lawn, about six inches wide, starting from a bush that I've got there, goes round in a circle across the lawn, and has got to the slab in the lawn, and it's now going up the lawn. Really now, strange. hang on. Now, you're saying it's a trail. What do you mean by a trail? Well, is the, it, grass is, the grass is, is worn it flattened? out. Oh, flattened and worn out, right. And it's completely gone now. But it didn't go yellow? No, it went yellow to start with. No, see if you've and got... And now it's, it's all completely gone in the, on that trail. Sounds like you've got something there that's running across the garden. And Doesn't sound yeah. like fox or yeah. something like that how to wi- me. And how wide again was the track? A foot. About six inches. Oh, six inches. Wide. Six inches right. And uh, I suppose it's four foot, no, six, eight foot across the lawn. And it's got Co- to a slab, but it's now going up the garden. In you the don't lawn. Put, you don't, do you put any bird food out or anything else like that in the garden? Yeah. Do you put it around where the slab is? No. No, okay. no, it's completely over the other side of the lawn. Still, it sounds like a track of an animal, yeah. either a fox, a badger, something like that. Have you looked no, at? But... Sorry, have you looked at the perimeter fences to see whether anything, you know, anything is marked there at all? No. Well, like they can't get through because there's a wall there, and oh, a fence round. And but why would it be in the same place every time? Ah, oh, an animal will always take the same track. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it's gone round in a circle before it's gone across the lawn. It's really strange. I don't think you've got a disease. I think it's an animal, don't you? Yeah, I think it's a furry friend. A furry friend. But may not be friendly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, any suggestions I can do anything? It starts at the bush. You sure it doesn't yeah. go anywhere from the... Before the bush? No, because there's a wall there. Ah, so there's a wall there. So mm. something is coming over the wall. Do you know what you want to look at? Look at the wall and see if it's marked, particularly in wet weather. Yeah, but the, where, the, where the hedge is, the hedge is about eight, ten foot high. So I don't think it could get through that hedge. Still could, couldn't they, Tom? Could. You'd be surprised what animals can get through. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still, think it, I still think you're animal, but if anybody else has got an idea, perhaps they'll give us a call. What do you reckon, Joy? Yes, OK. It's really strange. Yeah. <laughs> Have a look at the wall and let us know what you think about the wall when it's wet weather, and we can also look at that. So there are, there's, a, there's an idea for you. All right? OK, then. And let us know, Joy, and if anyone else has got an idea, you can give us a call on 0300 200 Lynn in Colchester, what can we do for you? Um, right. Well, I'm allergic to tomatoes. Um, I've not been able to eat them for years. Went to a friend's in Wales, North Wales, and she had seedless tomatoes. So I tried them, and I've been perfect on them. But where do I buy seedless tomato plants from? I've looked in gardening books and that, you know, the the ones that come through with all plants and veggies to buy. Can't see them anywhere. 
Have you tried? Have you tried searching online at all? Um, I did look online, but they, they had seeds, but they were in um, Belgium somewhere. <laughs> they weren't in England. The packets of seeds. No, I haven't come across any in England. I must be honest. Uh, well, she she works for um, a place in Real that's Polytunnels, and she does voluntary work there. And they were growing them there, and yeah. somebody gave her four plants last year to put in her own greenhouse, and that's how she came by them. Um, but yeah. they haven't got them this year. They're nobody, I think somebody supplies this place because it's voluntary and it's for disabled people or something, um, this polytunnels. Um, and somebody gave the plants to them from somewhere, or the seeds, and they grew them. Okay. Well, we found a company. Uh, we will quickly mention it on air because yep. we found it, and it's Thompson and Morgan, which are over the border in Ipswich. Yeah. Have a quick. Uh, if you ring them, yep. give them a ring. They are supposed to do a seedless tomato. Okay. All right. Johnson. Johnson no. And Morgan. Thompson. Thompson and Morgan. Thompson right. and Morgan. That's All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Lovely. And, Thank and you. And Lynn, Lynn, let Hi. us know. How, let us know how you get on with them because we always want to hear good, good responses or bad responses to people growing things. Alan in Wickford, have you got a good story about seeds? Well, tell you a good story. I, <laughs> last year, I bought a pot of dates. For a bit of fun, just pushed the seeds in all over the place. Really. Right. Yeah. That German, you know, that that germinating. I've got, uh, well, they've and the plants were germinated sort of before the current winter. They survived winter, so they're obviously hardy. And I've got ooh, eight or ten of these. What I imagine are going to be date palms. Date palms, what yeah. Does the, what does the future hold? I don't think you'll get a crop of dates. <laughs> it might. Well, it'll take a while, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, I mean, you can't. Can you buy date palms? You must be able to buy yeah. date palms, can't you? Absolutely. Yeah. As a, but they're an indoor. They're not hardy at all, are they? We, we tend to use them as in, 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 an indoor plant, or uh, there are forms where you can have them outside, maybe a little bit more protected. Uh, so it's not to say they can't go outside. Um, it depends we, on the yeah. winters. Quite and I think honestly, you know our it? winters have been pretty mild over the last three or four years. We had that really horrendous one, but was it about four or five years ago? Yeah, six so years people ago? have got people have got away with See, it lately, haven't they? Be a bit careful there. So it will it'll grow really well in a nice pot, uh, and then it becomes portable. You can move it wherever you like. Then bring it close to the house in the winter and um, sort of enjoy it. But yeah, people do grow them inside as well. They need humidity. Uh, so they, all, all your key palms like to have a little bit more humidity, more moisture around them, so misting from time to time or grouping them with maybe other foliage-based plants would help a microclimate around the plant, and that would be quite good. And then from March I onwards... No, they're not going to get any of that. It's survival of the fittest in my yeah. garden. Right, well, that's fine, then. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like it. So the fact they've got through the winter is really, really good. Um, so you've done well there. Uh, but you could leave, yeah, leave them all there, or you could pot one or two on. It's totally up to you. You could pot one on for fun and yeah. keep it and protect it in winter in the future, couldn't you? How but, big could they get? Oh, 10, 12, 15, 18 foot high. Oh, more than that. Yeah, yeah. at they're, least. They're, they'll be very, very slow growing. Incredibly yeah. slow. Yeah. Oh, OK. All right. <laughs> Okay, bye-bye. Good luck I tell you what, Alan, keep us in touch, because <laughs> we want to hear about the dates from Whitford. How about that? Yeah? Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks very much indeed. Um, there's one from Pauline and John. 
They said they went on a conducted tour of an orchard in Kent and the guide mentioned that in the old days they would beat the trees with iron bars as stressing the trees encouraged them to produce more fruit. Oh. It's, a, it's a bit brutal, isn't it? Well, they used to say, didn't they, about um, whipping walnut trees, wasn't it, to produce more fruit? And it must be the same sort of principle, mustn't it? Pauline and John were saying about being encouraged by this idea of beating fruit trees, they gave their lone apple tree a good dousing with a pressure washer. Sure enough, following year, the tree produced a bumper crop. Is it a fact or just wishful thinking? What do you reckon, Tom? Wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Back to your gardening questions in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. Tom, what's your first tip? Well, guess what? I'm outside pruning, because I love pruning this time of the year. And uh, I've got a wisteria growing over a pergola. Haven't they grown a lot this year? It's gone a little bit crazy. I've got lots of whippy young growth going up, down, all over the place. So... This is a great time of the year to take all of that young whippy growth, which it doesn't flower on because it flowers on older wood, uh, is to cut that growth down to around about one or two buds all over, or you leave one or two of those on if you need to fill a gap or extend the framework. Yeah, so tie it into the direction that you want it to grow first, and then take off maybe a couple of inches of growth at the end to an outward-facing bud. That's all you would need to do at this time of the year. Now, you're saying one or two buds. It's a bit yeah. sort of... I mean, I'm a two-bud man. Well, I'm a one-bud, but um, <laughs> lots of people do two. Some do longer. I just I like to have a much tighter framework. Uh, uh, there's not a massive difference in, in either one of those, one-bud or two-bud, but I do go much harder. And you can see where the flower's coming from at this time of the year, yep. can't you? So on the older growth, you'll have these sort of almost jet-black buds. They're quite large, pointed... They'll be in clusters. That's where your flower's going to occur. So the key thing is it only flowers on two-year-old wood or more. It never flowers on that young, whippy growth. Doesn't at all. No. So that's get rid of it. Now, we, we actually prune a couple of times a year, don't we, wisteria? Yeah, there's a few plants we do that too, but wisteria is one of them. We come back around mid, mid-July, late July, and uh, as a result of your pruning earlier in the year, it's got lots of young, whippy, leafy growth now. You do the same sort of thing. You cut back that growth to about one or two leaves, uh, and then, again, if you've got a gap, you can tie in the shoots. But we'll remind people about yeah. that, shall we? But you do that, and you might even get a secondary flush of flowers as well. Oh, that's quite a good idea, isn't it? We'll remind people about that when it comes to that month, eh? Now, just my little tip on wisterias is don't go and buy a cheap wisteria that you've seen at, say, a boot sale or a cheap marketplace. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Get don't buy one, seedlings. Don't buy seedlings, and you don't always know what you're buying. So what you want to do is pay a bit more for your, for your plant... And that way it is a grafted plant. Well, it should be a grafted plant. Grafting is just the joining of a different root to a wisteria top. And in fact, it'll flower pretty well straight away. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah but always get, go to a good garden centre, a good nursery, get a plant that's flowering. That way you know what colour it I is. I always when they're in flower. And yeah, nice, good quality grafting junction. You'll see a little bulbous area towards the base of the plant. Um, check for other things as well that it's, it's good and clean there's no weed growth there as well and um, that might that will probably be if it's flowering now it would have flowered in two to five years rather than you saying it's going to flower in 10 yeah, to 15 it's, it's no good is it what's your, what's your next tip then well I'm going to rush inside now because it's a bit <laughs> cold out here oh, don't, uh, be, don't, uh, be, don't be don't be a wuss <laughs> and I've got this uh, lovely bougainvillea 
Um, so, you know, in my college days, with my college hat on at Rittle University College, we've got this fabulous Bougainvillea that's growing at one of the stanchion points. And um, Bougainvillea, the paper flower, has bracts which are quite brightly coloured, sort of purples, oranges, salmons, some creams, and right in the centre is a little creamy white flower. Um, it's a very thorny plant. You they see use... it all over the Mediterranean, yeah. though, everywhere. And if you go, into, go on to the Far East, go to Thailand, yeah. it's all it's up the hotels, it's all over the place. But just be a bit careful when you're pruning this plant because the older growths have got hooked thorns, which are sharp. I have been caught on those yeah. a couple of times. You've got to have your gloves. You've got to protect your face a bit as well. But what, you, what, you, what you're going to do is you're going to cut back all the young growth to a main support or to a main branch because it flowers on new growth. So you would do it every year, about this sort of time. You might even do it a little bit towards the middle of the year as well. And one or two of those limbs, you might want to wrap around a support or a trellis or an, an obelisk because that stresses the plant. In much the same way you might do other climbers like climbing roses or rambler roses. But it's a f fabulous plant to have. Thank you, Tom. And we'll have more top tips for the next seven days later on in the podcast. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. And we go back to the phones and we talk to um, Shirley from Clacton. How's Clacton Hello this there. morning? How's Clacton this morning, Shirley? Uh, dismal, but very brisk. Good. <laughs> brisk. That's a nice way of putting it. Brisk. Right, yes, what, can, yes. what, can we, what can we do for you today? Right. I've got a magnolia bush in my front garden. It's yep. in bud at the moment. And I want to know when I can transplant it from the front to the back garden. How big is and it? It's about, I would say, 12 foot, 12, uh, no, it's, it's about uh, 20 inches wide at height at the moment because it was only a small one when I brought it so a couple of years ago. So it's a couple of foot high and you only bought it two years ago? Yes. Absolutely fine to do it now. I, it, it, it is going to be, it's budding up for flowers fairly shortly, but if you've got to move it, you've got to move, you've got to move it, and this is the best time to do it. You've got to do it before Lovely. it comes into leaf in the spring, so this weekend oh. or next couple of weeks. You want to lift, yeah, you're going to want to lift up as much of the soil as you possibly can around the root zone. Mm -hmm. Have the planting hole ready where it's going to go. Yeah. And literally transfer one to the other. Uh-huh. Don't, so plant it at the same depth, don't plant it any deeper, and then nicely firmed in. Even if it has rained, water it in. Yes. And then let it go through its natural process of flowering and then leafing up and then feed a little bit later in the season. What, what if the roots are sort of like deep down? Because I tried the other day and it was a bit cumbersome. Right. Well, you're going to... If you come out around about a foot... Well, if you come out around about a foot or a foot and a half from the main trunk, right. dig down vertically with your spade. So once that, that metal part of the spade disappears into the ground, then start to angle your cuts underneath, and you will sever some of the roots. You're going to have to sever some of them. Right. But try and keep all of the soil around that root zone. Yeah. Do I have to put anything in the soil before I put this? No, no, just um, loosen up the planting hole that you're putting it into. No yeah. feed. Uh, if you felt the soil was a little bit poor, you can work well-rotted organic matter into the spoil... And then when you plant back in, you can um, you can actually firm that soil around. And what I would also do, so once you've watered in then, uh, maybe put a nice thick layer of organic matter around the base, not quite up to the trunk, and that will protect it through the growing season. Keep the soil moist. That will keep the soil it's moist. It's moist now. Okay, well... <clears throat> you, it might dry out. It might dry out later on. So you can do all this now. It's absolutely fine. 
Lovely. Thank you very, very much indeed. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Have a Bye. nice day. Thank you very much, Shirley. There's Shirley from Clancy. She's going to go out after the programme to move her uh, magnolia. Yes, lovely plant. After the gardening programme, of course. Uh, give us a call now, 0300 200 40 41. Ken Crowther and Tom Cole. Not, I was just going to say from uh, Riddle University College, but that implies that I am, and we wouldn't go there on that one. So, um, from Tom Coles, who from Riddle University am, College, yes. not me. See, I was going to say, Ken Crowther. <laughs> no, we won't go there. Anyway, can I use old coffee grounds usefully as fertiliser? My local supermarket cafe has bags of it. What do you reckon? <laughs> He's not... He, you love the picture. It's Tom Cole leaning back in his chair, nodding his hair as if to say, no. It's quite acidic. Uh, it's quite acidic and can, also, can actually impact on pH of the soil over time. I, I you need a lot yeah, to affect the pH, I, I, wouldn't I, I, you? I, I wouldn't use it as a, as a feed. I'd use proprietary feeds to, to feed my plants. If you really want to, you know, if you've got some of your own granules, I mean, put it into your compost heap, that's absolutely fine. Some people use it as a mild deterrent against slug or snail damage. Uh, you do need to keep on topping it up so it's applied to the surface. But for me personally, I know I don't use it. You don't go for it? No. I've got another uh, a text here that says, my kiwi arrived yesterday, assumed it would be okay in a pot. Could you advise me on soil? What type of support I need? And that's from Rachel in Harlow. Well, you want a good, let's think about the site first, good southerly facing does aspect. need it, doesn't it? Because it but, needs that long summer to yeah. get the fruit working. And a little bit protected for any sort of prevailing winds. Um, Support-wise, um, well, if you've got a wall or a fence, you might want to put some galvanised wires up or you might want to use trellis. Something that you can tie those limbs to. And this is a rampant climber. You need to keep up with it. I think it. people don't realise how rampant <clears throat> they can be. Yeah. Um, but the good thing about them is that you can get these self-fertile types now, so you don't need to have additional plants. So just check on your label that you have got one where it doesn't need another pollinator. Soil-wise, actually they're quite flexible really. They're, I mean, they cope pretty well in a clay-based soil, but if it's too heavy, hollow, you get quite a bit of boulder clay around there, so you might need to work in grits or gravels or coarse sand together with some good, well-rotted organic matter. If you are using it against a wall, Position the plant root system away from the wall system because the wall is quite drying, and I would probably come out from the wall at least a foot, and then so. run, and, and then, then, run, and then the run the roots through. away, yes, yep. away from it. Um, if you're getting it through the post as well, just check the root system is okay. If it's a little, it's sometimes a little bit dry. I give it a good soak. Put it into a bucket of water, let it soak. Even if it was overnight, it would be a pro it wouldn't be a problem. Let it drain and then plant it out and then you'll have a whole mass of shoots you can splay that over the um, support system at this time of the year and uh, there's some really good sites for uh, kiwi fruit I mean, I mean you know, go to the RHS Royal Horticultural Society put kiwi fruit in put RHS after it goes to a profile page and it'll tell you how to plant it and also look at the pruning and the care we'll of. be doing this out of work we won't be on the radio you well, keep yeah, telling people we got the RHS site it's a brilliant site get out of it <laughs> Our information is far better than that. <laughs> of course it is, isn't it, Tom? 
isn't it, Tom? It's always very good. It's always very good, it's yes. Very good. Um, we had that question about those lilies. I'm not quite sure what lilies they were. Were they from uh, uh, Linda in Hockley? She was asking about these couple of lilies that we don't seem to know too much about, no. do we, Tom? No. So we don't know whether they're invasive. Um, if you can give us a bl little bit more clue, Linda in Hockley, uh, we will be happy to go through it with you. But at the moment, we can't follow it up because we're actually not quite sure what you are getting at there, the names of the lilies. Um, are they outdoor? Are they indoor? Are they something that uh, is the spelling right that you've sent us? We're not quite sure what yeah. they are. Um, should I keep cutting? My, this is Michael from Frinton wants to know, should he keep cutting the grass even though it's quite wet at the moment and it is February? Um, well, <laughs> you always keep the grass cut as much as you can. However, if it's too wet to get on the ground, you could do even more damage. Um, so even at the college, uh, we have got areas where we just can't access at the yeah. moment. Uh, but the best principle is to remove no more than a half at any one time. You've got to keep on doing it. It's one of these things, plants, that, this plant just keeps on growing. Because above three degrees, grass grows, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it doesn't stop. And so what you're looking for is a, a drier day yeah. and uh, minimal impact on the, on the soil by the machinery you're using. So if you're using a pedestrian control rotary mower, it's going to be a little bit lighter, actually, than some of the other mowers. Although, you know, I've, some, of, some of these rotary mowers have got quite a heavy roller on them. They have now. So if you've got a clay base, so you want to be a bit wary. Um, certainly today, it's quite a wet day. Um, leave it alone. I would probably just leave it. See if we can get a couple of days of... No, With a bit of dry. wind, actually. Wind, I mean, Frinton might get a bit of coastal yeah, breeze. Yeah, that, that'll dry the top of it, and that'll be good as well. So they are. Look out for a dryish day. And yes, then, Michael, from Frinton, you can carry out your top cut. But top it. Top it and top it. Do not take it low because you'll encourage moss. You damage the structure of the grass completely, don't you? Absolutely. Let's now go back to the phones on 0300 200 4041 and talk to Anne from Clacton. Hello, Anne. Hello. I've got um, a bottom brush uh, yep. plant in my garden and it's very, very unruly now. It's got long uh, leaves on it. Well, not leaves. I know what you mean. Yeah, 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 and it's Parenting got it's long. got and it's got the seed pods on the end there, hasn't it? Yes, that's right. So, what would you like so to when, do? When, yeah, when do, when do I cut it back? So you want to be a bit ruthless with it, do you? I do. Yes, <laughs> I've only got a small garden. Right, and how big is it now, then, uh, Anne? Oh, it's about eight foot high. Yeah, and where does your one actually flower? Because they do flower slightly differently. Oh, too, it didn't flower at all last year, but the year before it was beautiful. And when when did it sort of roughly flower for you? Oh, gosh. Um, Beginning of the year, middle of the May, year? May or June, I think. June. Yeah. Coming, um, coming into the summer, really. OK. Well, this time of the yeah. year, if you've got some really unruly, thicker, older stems, which are yeah. quite bare as well, I would take those out. Um, uh -huh. And then other growth that you've got there, I would just tip... I would actually just take back some of the terminal shoot and in the hope that actually it shoots out lower. Because you the want ground. the lower shoots, don't you? And you, you could do that yeah. bit of pruning uh, now, then allow the plant to naturally grow and produce its flowers around May, June time. And after May, June, you could do even some further thinning if you wanted to. If it's really growing quite well, then again, yeah. take out maybe one of the older stems or weaker growth, but cut them out totally. So yeah. it's, it's fairly minimal pruning, but you can do some nice bits of that pruning now and then come back in the summer. It's a, love, it's a lovely plant, though, the bottle brush. Yeah, it is. Thank you very much indeed. 
Thank you. Bye-bye yeah, uh, there. Bye. And bye. From, from Anne in Clacton, we go all the way to Folkestone to support Atterbury. Hello there. Hello. Down in Folkestone, are you? Yes. Are you very close to the coast or not? Yes, I am, yes. About 10 minutes um, uh, walk, fast walk, um, uh, five minutes drive. Yeah, and of course, Folkestone was put on the map when they shot that thing under the under under the uh, channel, didn't they? <laughs> and, and they spelt it incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, let's let's talk gardening, shall we? With you, what would you like to know? Right. Um, two years ago, I bought um, a variety of uh, fruit trees, um, some of which died, uh, none of which bore any fruit, although they had um, some had flower on and leaf. Um, I added to those. Um, last year, you know, replenishing some of the ones that had died. Um, but so far, nothing, no um, no fruit uh, over a two-year period. Um, I wanted to know, what am I doing wrong? Um, and am I, uh, do I, do they need pruning? Uh, the, the fruit trees are apples, pears, peach, cherry, nectarine. Okay. And when you, when you got them, how old were they when you got them? Um... I'm not sure. They didn't have an age. They were they were just from the local um, uh, uh, garden centre or type store. Oh, okay. Yeah. But did they have a nice sort of shape to them when you bought them, as if someone had actually already pruned them to a certain shape? No, they were just uh, uh, probably about three and a half, four foot that sort of height, maximum height. No, no shape. No, just no. Uh, did they have any side main, shoots at all? Stem with a few with a few branches off. Right, so the main stem. So one of the first things to do on on that type, but it sounds like you say you've got it's quite a young plant actually. If it's got minimal side growth, uh, is to do some what called structural pruning for the first two mm. to four years. And one of the shapes that people are liking are liking more to try and create is called an open centered tree, which means if you've got a three or four foot tall plant and you've got some lateral growth, some side branches, what you do is you take down the top of that uh, very dominant. Uh, uh, sort of uh, leader that you have and you cut it to just in front of those or just above the three or four good side shoots and you do that in the first year that you have them and the reason for that is, is it creates this more sort of a goblet or cup shape um, sort of form and also it tries to it sort of invigorates the, the laterals that you left behind so you get a the starting of a tree shape developing and what it's doing, it's also then starting to develop the wood it's ultimately going to flower and fruit on. Okay, but um, uh, how long should it be before I can expect any fruit? Because none of them are fruited. Right, it depends also on what it's grafted onto. So if it's grafted onto what we call a very dwarfing rootstock, sometimes they can come into flower quite well within two to three years. Were they actually sold to you as patio fruit trees? Yes. Yes, they were. They uh, should be. Fact, so they should be flowering. They should be flowering. There should be no reason why they're not flowering at all. Yeah. Well, one or two of them were in flower when I bought them, but that's all that happened. The flowers just uh, dropped off. They never developed into fruit. Okay. The leaves dropped off. And then one by one, they've kind of gradually gone into a state of degradation. And you've got them in the ground? No, they're in They're in pots. And how, how big are the pots? Um... Probably about, uh, say, two foot across, maybe. That 
sort of well, rule. Should be good well, enough. Should, should be good well, enough. Yeah. yeah. Two foot by two foot is a sort of is the smallest you want to go, but it would certainly would be okay. Would work for a patio. But the key thing with that size of pot is you're Regular always watering. having to water because if it dries out, that's one thing that can cause premature flower drop and leaf drop. Uh, so it's about keeping the the soil moist but not saturated. So you might right, need, would I need would, would I need to put them in a bigger pot do you think I, I would. personally I would I would go for something like a two, uh, something like a three foot across pot by around about two to three foot depth of pot okay and does it make any difference because I've also in some of them I've got um, some strawberry plants and things. that wouldn't matter at all um, that's no. fine that's okay and I would not go competing with uh... no they're growing in the top part and your root system is much deeper on the tree what is important they have something like a John Ennis number three potting compost which would be a better one it's much stronger uh, it'll anchor the plant try try that particular type of soil as well the BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther, every Saturday from 11. Right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, myself and Tom Cole have got some more top tips for you. Come on then, Tom. Well, you know I like my perennials. You do. You know, I've got perennials all over the place. Um, and I particularly like ornamental grasses. And this is a really good time of the year to cut all of those brown, dead top growths from plants like miscanthus or pennycetum, all of these lovely architectural plants that have really given us good colour all over the summer, all over the winter, now looking a bit tatty. So can you cut them all back? No, those ones you can cut back, leave about an inch of growth, but your evergreen types, there are lots of evergreen sort of grass-like plants, like the rushes, the sedges, and there's a lovely ornamental one, they've got a bit of a mouthful for some of these names, Anamathali lessoniana. Oh, that's a good one. Which used to be called Stiper, a rundanace. It's got a willow, long willow, not willow, but a bamboo-type leaf. Lovely, lovely colour on it. You do not prune that. You put your hand through it, and you rake out all of the old uh, growth. If you've got Cortadera, the pampas, you do that, but with gloves on. That's nasty, otherwise, you'll rip your hands to shreds. And the other part, that the plant will also be benefited by you cutting really, really hard on that one. So that one you can cut back, but the evergreen, true evergreens, you don't. You just wipe through with your hands, just dislodge, dislodge anything. Well, I'm going to go indoors because I'm talking about cheating potatoes. Great time to buy potatoes, that's seed potatoes. Always use seed potatoes uh, because they are certified seed potatoes and that way you shouldn't get any uh, severe disease problems, should you, Tom? That's no. the idea. Um, several potato days around the county. I mentioned one last week on the podcast. Um and that way you can buy just single tubers and try all sorts of potatoes. What's one of your favourites yourself, Tom? Well, I'm always a bit weary of blight, yes. uh, which will come in when it's humid and warm later in the year for many a main crops. But um, I've tried sarpo, yep. and I've been quite happy with those. Flavour's not bad, That's actually, quite good. Orla is a really good one as well, slightly earlier. Um, those ones are pretty good, actually. But, you know, that chitting process, it's really easy to do, isn't it? So all you, all you do is you get a... I, egg boxes are ideal. You just stand your potatoes, not touching each other, on egg boxes. And what you're really trying to do, keep them cool, frost-free, and with reasonable light. You're trying to get them to produce shoots. But you don't want too longer shoots. If they do grow long, all I do is nip them off Rub and make them, off, them do yes. it again. Yeah. Because that's, that's the easiest way of doing it. And, and whilst you're doing that, think about where they're going to go. Yes. So warm up that ground. Either put black polythene down. Works really works well, good. doesn't it? Yeah. Or you might be using a pot or a container. Thank you, Tom. Let's go straight back to your gardening questions now. 
Ken Crowther. Answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex. Can we go straight back to the phones? Sorry to have kept you waiting. Antonia in Kettlebaston, is that right? That's right. Hi. It's Hi. in Suffolk. Yeah. Not Essex. Good to um, hear from you. Yeah. We've got um, a pond right on the edge of the property mm-hmm. with quite a steep bank and it's covered in sort of moss and grasses. And I wanted to plant a hedge on it, but I wondered what I could plant on a bank. Mm. Are you trying now? Hang on. What's the hedge trying to do? Is it trying to prevent people dropping into the pond or walking into the pond or sliding into the pond if it's got a, a steep side? Um, well, I was hoping that it would um, stop the bank eroding. Right. And also, well, you know, mm. be a preventative barrier. Yeah, well, you see, you've got two things there because. You, Tom? Yeah, it, it would work as a preventative barrier, but you'd yeah. have to put it at the top of the bank. Yeah, you? but it, and it, but it wouldn't be that effective in holding the holding bank. the bank. Right. And I think what you need there are probably more a range of plants that grow along like and rushes through. and well that and also uh, love it or hate this plant uh, things like uh, the periwinkle, the vincas, vincas. Yeah. Uh, there are some cotoneasters that creep along the ground. They're all very very low maintenance. Yeah. Uh, Sandra. Yeah, the Pachysandra, which is a lovely green plant. I mean, you can put those in. Rubus. It, yeah, it just depends. How, does it dry, Will it dry out overly in the summer? What type of soil have you got there? Uh, we've got um, clay. Mm. It's yeah, it's going to dry out, isn't it? Soil. It's got quite deep to- topsoil, but it is... Um, OK. I mean, it, I mean, all of those would help stabilise it more than a hedge, but the hedge would act potentially as a good boundary if it was higher up the bank. Yeah. Uh, and then really... It's quite thorny to keep out, for example, people from Essex. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm from Hertfordshire, so... No. You don't care. <laughs> um, really thorny plants. Uh, things like um, hawthorn. Um, That'd be a got, good one, You've got the um, buckthorn. Uh, you've got uh, the slow, which is a prunus type. They're all quite thorny. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, you can actually... I mean, this is a good time of year you to do buy, it. You can buy those bare root at this time of year yeah. from good nurseries. Yeah. And you've got quite a few up in that area, so that will supply hedges and things like that for you. You buy them as a bundle, put them all in the ground, roughly one every foot to a foot and a half, and you'll have a hedge pretty quickly, I would think, in the next few years. You could even put Rosa Rugosa in. Yeah, you can make it more native and natural. So things like dog rose, gelder rose, um, you've got things like um, a bit of beech, a bit of hornbeam. You can mix the whole thing up, really. Lovely. does that help you? They'll be all right on a ba- sort of right on the top of a bank. They, they will be, but what you'll need to do for the first few years is if really m- check the watering in the summer and mulch yeah. them so heavily. Heavy mulches around the base. Uh, really give them a good feed in March, maybe before you put those mulches on. But be prepared to go out there in the summer and do a little bit of additional watering. Okay, Lovely. thank you. Good to hear you from you over the border in Suffolk. Thank you very much for your call. And let's now go to Eric in Barnston. Hello, Eric. Sorry to have kept sorry to kept you waiting so long. That's all right. Um, Last year I had a wonderful crop of strawberries, and now they're just thick leaves. Is it best to leave them as they are, or will you trim them off? So you've got lots of old leaf, did you say around? That's green at the moment, but you know. I just thought that it looks too thick for the, to see the strawberries when they come next 
So this is all lovely, oh, right. lovely fresh growth we're talking about. It's not the old leaf; it's the fresh growth. Some, well, a mixed sort of thing, you know. I, I would actually just pick through, pick out the old leaves, because yeah. uh, one of the things you can do actually when you've when you've harvested like the end of this year, yeah. uh, is really rake through the plants, take out all the old growth, any old oh, runners you don't want, and then feed them at that point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but now, I think just go through, just carefully taking off some of those leaves. It'll also improve air circulation as well. That's right, well, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then give them maybe a, a good, generous feed from March onwards. Yeah. Something like fish. What, what do you tend to use for feeding? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What was the best to use? Fish blood and bone would be good. Grow more is good. Uh, you've got Vitax Q4. They like supply that. a lot of organic-based uh, well, feeds. I use Grow more most. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that at yeah, all. Yeah, more's really good. That's good. Yeah. But do that from March onwards. Okay, thank you. Good luck. Right. Okay. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, that's Eric in Barnston. Oh, is Barnston actually is on its way to the A... What is it? 1.30. Um, and in fact, I, I planted a, a vineyard there. You just planted a vineyard? Yeah, put a vineyard in, a small vineyard. I don't oh, know how right. many, a quarter of an acre, half an acre. That's a lot of vines. It's a lot of vines, it was. So I remember that, uh, putting, putting that in. Uh, don't forget that you can call us, whether it be about your grapevines, your wisterias, or your bulbs that are coming up already in the garden. That's 0300 200 40 Talking of which, haven't you noticed that suddenly within this week, because it's been milder, Tom, crocus have suddenly... Everywhere they're on up. roundabouts, they're everywhere, aren't they? Yeah. And also, you, oh, we've had the snowdrops up for quite a while. There were yes, some of them up yeah. before Christmas. Winter aconites oh, with a yellow, with a little know, rough, and then the yellow buttercup. Don't you flower. think they're a very underrated plant? They are. They're lovely. They're really nice with those. Uh, when do you buy those? Of, though people don't know when to buy them, do they? Buy them in September. Uh, no, but September. Because you see them and they're just little crusty things, and you think, well, it's not going to do anything, is it? Soak them overnight before you plant. Yeah. A bit like uh, your anemone um, sort of corms you have. Soak them overnight, you actually get a better response. Uh, but those, they just last for just a short period of time. They're sort of before. Before you've really enjoyed the flower, it's gone. But, but it's worth they, having. And they spread like mad, it's so a, you can get a, good ground cover. Yeah, it's a great naturalising uh, plant. So you throw them into your grass area, <laughs> wherever they the land, push them in. that's where you plant them. And yes. in fact, if you mix those up with snowdrop, you get snowdrop coming up first, then they come up after, and then you can follow that with late flowering crocus. Yeah, and the crocus are looking good at the moment. They are, fantastic. So they are. What have you got going in your garden? Jack from Stanford La Hope. What going in your garden? Jack from Stanford Jack. Yes. Have you got your radio on, Jack? Yes, I've, I'm just coming out of the room. I try. Uh, <laughs> Good man. I can hear myself, and I thought I don't want to hear myself. <laughs> well, we do. Oh, that's all right then, Jack. Jack from uh, Stabula Hope. We're talking roses, aren't we? Yeah, I've, I've got a couple of roses in two-foot pots. Uh-huh. Uh, one of them's Peace. I can't think what the other name is. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they're very happy, although I've been feeding them and... Uh, what have you? I just wanted to know what the best time was to put them in the ground. Right. You see, it's interesting. And just to mention that you've mentioned peace. Peace is quite a vigorous rose. It's quite a large growing rose. And I don't know what size pot you've got it in. It's but, two foot. Yeah, it's it's not a big enough pot for a rose like that. I'm only talking generally, Jack. I'm not criticising you, but for other people listening, gives them an idea <clears> on what sort of rose they can put in pots. Uh, you've found, to your sort of dilemma, really, that it's not growing well in the pot. But, Tom, when can you do that? Right well, now? I would do it now. It's, it's, it's not in active growth, or they might have the odd shoot. Now is the good time to get a hole prepared, 
transfer the plant actually in its entirety with the root ball, with the compost it's growing in, just put all of that into the planting hole. It's going to be uh, heavy. <laughs> it's the pot, yeah. You should be able to do it, though. I mean, if you take the pot, if you can get someone to take the pot to the hole, then you could actually just tip it on its yeah. side and slide and it slide into it the in. hole. Yeah. yeah, I'll try that, yeah. And plant it no deeper than it's planted in the pot. We don't don't sink it too deep. Would you prune it now as well? Uh, well, you could, actually. I mean, we've, we've started doing ours on the college campus. We'll probably do that by the end of February. But with this sort of modern tight rows, I'd prune those down to my shin yeah. or my knee, uh, to an outward facing bud so you then right. enable the plant to put it lots and lots of growth on this year and they all terminate in those wonderful flowers right and and uh, just an ordinary rose feed with it or I, i'm gonna go go for some like top rows go for a really good strong more biased potash potassium rich feed it'll have the nitrogen in there it had the phosphorus in there but top rose is brilliant it really pushes the plant you'll get a better better response and okay. what, what about to mix with the soil that I'll be putting it in? Don't anything? need to. You don't need you to could, do that. If you've, got, <clears throat> if you've got a bit of potting compost or something around, you could just mix it in with the soil, but that, it's not that, necessary. That's okay, it? but you don't need to put your feet, don't put any feed in there. No. Uh, apply the feed after you've physically planted and just broadcast that around the base of the plant and then fork just lightly in. fork it in and then put a nice, thick, guard, well-rotted garden uh, compost if you've got it. Just just in front of where the main trunk is. Don't bring it right up to the trunk. Right. right. Thank okay, you very Jack. much. Something for Jack to do this afternoon, as long as the ground is not too wet. Ken Crowther. This is BBC Essex. Well, we'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips that uh, Tom has for this week. Well, for me, it's got to be all about veg and all those edibles. Uh, and one particular thing that you want to protect, particularly your leafy-type veg, from is the attack from those good old birds, the pigeons. They've finished off. I'll tell you what, I've put some uh, greens, some winter green in. and they gone? They've gone. Yeah. This is a plant, brassicas. You've just <laughs> got to cover them as soon as you put those transplants or plugs in the ground for their entire life until you harvest them. And if you get a, a good gauged green net, it doesn't have to be green, any type of netting really that's durable. Yeah. I mean, something like, even if it's a couple of mil, that will not just stop the pigeons, which will be the first things that tend to attack those, but it will really stop that iridescent beetle called the um, flea beetle, that's... which it, which pecks, not pecks, that's a bird, but it eats <laughs> holes out of the leaf. So it looks like little brown dots all over the leaf and can look, make the plant look quite unsightly. And if you're growing it for, for leaf, like a cabbage, you're not going to particularly want to eat it. So protection for, from just draping over netting to having purpose-built uh, frames. You might have a cloche that you've got clad in this particular material. As long as you've got good light levels coming through and it's protecting those plants, you'll have a great crop. So that's looking after your winter veg. And I suppose also keeping in the sort of edible area, in, but in the fruit garden... It's not, um, not that you like your food, is it, Tom? No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like my fruit. And uh, one early flowering fruit tree are the members of the stone group. So yes. these are the prunus types. Uh, so particularly things like nectarines, peaches and apricots. They flower early and unfortunately we tend to get a very cold snap or we have a frost. The plant's very hardy, but the flower is delicate and it needs to be protected. So you can drape horticultural fleece over the plant if it's manageable enough. Uh, I've seen in some lovely gardens where they put frames over the plant. Yeah. As long as there's a gap for pollinators to get in, but it keeps those leaves and, fl and flowers sort of frost-free, 
you'll potentially have fruit later on in the summer. And in fact, they do, as you're quite right. And there's actually a couple of plums that flower early as well, aren't there? Yeah, so well, you do have to be a bit careful, don't you? Just going to be very wary. They are hardy, but all you're doing is protecting the flower. Thank you, Tom. Let's get straight back to your gardening questions now. The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Every Saturday from 11. Barbara's from Kent. Uh, how can we help you, Barbara? Good morning. Um, I've just bought two go- um, golden tassels, ornamental garden hops. And I'm going to put one in each uh, two pots of about 48 centimetres to grow up over an archway. I wondered what compost I should use, please. Right, 40, I'm just trying to think, 48 centimetres, 45, 45, 18 18 inches, 18 inches-ish. Would that be big enough to keep a pop going through the season, do you Uh, think, Tom? And how deep was the pot? Uh, Similar? About, I suppose, 15 inches tall. Mm. You're going to have to water it a lot in the summer. They'll be okay in the pots, but you'll have to be really, really doing a lot of water, watering. They'd be better off in a much bigger pot or actually in the ground. Um, They, if they're going to put them in a pot, then Mm -hmm. basically I tend to go for more like a Johninus number three, number three, because it's got a vigorous plant, hop-like plants. um, You benefit each year by cutting them down so they re-triggers new growth but it'll grow up and cover that archway again in one year um so if you've got it in a smaller in the in the pots you're saying i think you might struggle uh to keep them moist i mean you can't um... you can't go on holiday because you'd be away (laughs) a week and you'd have to water it (laughs) sorry you were asking another question sorry um, I was going to say, these, um, one of these hops could go in the ground, but the other one, um, over the arch, yep. uh, goes into, um, well, there is a bit of um, earth, but it's uh, got concrete all around. How, big, how, much, how much soil have you got? Is it a foot by a foot or more? Well, if I took out all the concrete, it would be more. Oh, well, that's OK. That would be better. Much, much oh. better. Oh. I mean, and they they grow really vigorously. If you can get them into the ground, they grow really vigorously. I've grown them over arches in the past, and they absolutely look fantastic. Right, so it would be better just in the ground, not in the pots. Much better it for would, you. It is. I mean, you can basically just... What you need to watch then is, uh, because it's quite a vigorous plant, is to, you yeah. need to direct that growth. You need to really be on top of just Train like, it all training the time. It always. Uh, but then at the end of the year, you've got this great... This, it's a very therapeutic, actually. You just cut the whole plant down. How about that? Oh. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. And you'll enjoy them. You'll enjoy them, Barbara, from uh, near Chatham in Kent. So they are. Nice to hear from you. Uh, we're getting callers from all over the place today. Give us a call now. We've got room for you. 0300 200 4041. 0300 200 4041. That's the number to call. Text me 81333 straight to the studio and we can answer you that question as well. Um, and even someone email ken.crowler at bbc.co.uk. Thank you, Rossiter Sharp, for your information about the Fellop Oak. 
very interesting. Yes, I did mention the Fairlop Oak, and as I passed it on my way to school and going to Fairlop Infant School as a child. Thank you very much for a bit more information about it. And they are uh, running fairs just like they used to the years and years ago. Cathy and Malden, though, has uh, got a. She's talking about a plum tree. Is that right, Cathy? Yes, that's right. What would you like to know? Um, well, my daughter's moved into this house, and outside the back door is a plum tree that looks as though they obviously wanted it to be flat against the house wall. I just wonder whether that was a sensible place to have it. How how big and I mean, I mean is it trained flat against the wall? It obviously was, but then it had got neglected, so it was sort of hanging down. So I cut it back a bit last when she moved in. Yeah. Um, but it's about 15 foot high. Uh-huh. It's not dense, but it did have lots of plums on it last Lovely. Year. Well, they're good plums. <laughs> well, they're good, good plums as well. They're lovely. <laughs> but I I'm worried get... about it close to the house. I no, oh, no, they're, no. F- they're fine, actually. I mean, it sounds no. like they're doing thoroughly well, really. So um, the, the, the downside about plum trees is they sometimes can sucker a little bit. Um, but Which you have to of, pull off, don't you? Yeah, you, if you yeah if you get, catch them quick enough. Um, but in terms of pruning, it, it'll be just opening up where you can. But if you're growing them against a wall, a slightly a sort of restricted type plant, your pruning isn't really going to start occurring until when it really, really comes into leaf. It's got to be actively growing to start pruning any of your stone fruits. Don't prune in winter. No, because you want to avoid the spread of uh, things like silver leaf. Um, which can get through sort of um, open wounds before that point. Do it in the growing season. In fact, some people combine their pruning when they do the harvesting. Uh, so you can maybe thin out if you need to or just slightly re- lightly reduce the top. But don't be over the top in your pruning because sometimes you can get a lot of watery, vertical, whippy shoots at the expense of flowering and fruit. Um, but it does sound like you've got a good plant there. Yes, it, it, well, I would think, but I was worried. I thought you shouldn't plant things too close to the house. Depends, right on the house. depends what they are. And how old's the house? About nine, ten years. No, it'd be safe. It'll be, it'll be modern construction, shouldn't be a problem at all. Right. Okay. I, wouldn't, I, well, I mean, for an example, if you said to me there's a weeping willow tree next to the house, I'd say, oh, whoa, get rid of it. Do you see what I mean? And that's yeah. what, you know, that's why it's good that people ring us up and ask us this question, because mm. we will straight away flag up, no, I would not have that tree near my house. But something like a plum that's uh, possibly won't be on a massive a stock. It should be on a massive stock. It shouldn't be, should and, it, if it's grown against you, house. And your pruning is going to restrict some of that growth anyway. So I, I wouldn't be overly worried, really. Um, but it sounds like you've got, you've got a lovely plant there if it's cropping on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. Got a good well, one there. They only moved in in September, but oh. they were on there then, and that's when I... Well, I had to cut it back because we were getting soaked every time we went out the house. The only thing I would say is uh, if it is in full bloom and you know there's going to be a frost... Cover it um, then use something like horticultural fleece or old right. curtain nets. Put it over the plant and it will give a little bit of a temperature lift around those flowers and protect them. Uh, and then right. you'll hopefully get some fruit later in the year. OK. Lovely. 
Lovely. Thank you very much. That's okay. okay. That was Cathy and Morden who gave us a call on 0300 200 4041. We can fit another call or so in yet. 0300 200 4041. Give us a call and we'll fit you in. Uh, when is the best time to start growing a tomato plant? And this is Mike from Sheppey. You can start them off now. Don't depend. Ah, hang on, though. <laughs> hang on. Yes, you can start them off now, Tom, but it's whether you've got somewhere to look after them after you've grown That's them. It. Always think ahead. You have to think ahead with gardening, don't you? What facilities have you got? So if you've got a greenhouse, yep. uh, even if it's a, a lean-to against the house or one of those portable ones, potentially you can start those now. Um, so shallowly sown, thinly sown in a, something like a nine-centimetre pot with good old seeding, cutting compost of your choice. Uh, I tend to, I can put the whole lot into a plastic bag and put it on the windowsill and gradually they'll all start to germinate. For those of you who've got a propagator, uh, then you've got a bit more control. Uh, put those in, keep the vents closed, watch and monitor. When they become manageable, you can easily move them. Then you can prick those out and put them into uh, nine centimeter pots. So the size of a coffee cup, coffee Three mug. Three inch. I'm old fashioned. Oh, well, I'm not. <laughs> Three inch. So Three nine centimetre pot. pot, you heard it first. Uh, <laughs> and you go on to sort of a more of a potting compost, uh, usually the same, same sort of consistency as your, your cutting compost. OK, yeah. we go back to the phones from Anne from Bowers Gifford. Hello, Anne. Hello, Ken. Uh, Ken, I've been sent um, as a free gift 15 uh, freezer bulbs. Lovely. Um, can, can they go in the ground now or should they go in a pot? I would have thought I just planted these in the autumn, really. I'm just trying to think. Do you know, I've never been very successful with freezers. I'm, I shouldn't say this to you, Angela. You know how some... It's true, isn't it, Tom, that some people, you just can't make certain things grow. I can remember trying to grow freezers at my mum's all those years ago, because she loves freezers, and I used to put them in every year, and I'd just get green and no flowers. So come on, Tom, you're going to tell us. Is it a good time to plant them now? Well, Are we too early or what? Well, I plant them, if you've been giving them as free uh, plants, I plant them in containers, really. I yep. put uh, maybe, a, maybe a half a handful and um, put those into a container with any type of compost you've got that's available at the time and then just keep that compost a little bit moist, not, not saturated at all, and just put those onto a windowsill to allow them to develop. And uh, I think you've just got to be in more control then. You can actually plunge that container into your How garden. early can you put them out, though, a freezer? Because they're not... The leaf is not hardy, is it? No, it's got to be hardened off. Uh, so not at the moment. Later on in the spring, See, early I summer. I wouldn't necessarily pop them, start them off yet myself. I think I'd leave it a month. You can do. <laughs> Does that... No, Anne, you see, we're disagreeing in the studio. So what, are you confused now, Anne? Yes, completely. Um, <laughs> Right, OK, what, where did you want... Let's, let's go back to the beginning. I know what Tom said, and he's right. Where would you like them to be growing? Um, well, I'd like them to be in the garden, but um, I think I might have more control over them in a pot. A pot in the garden, yeah? So, um, shall I... What about putting them in the greenhouse to start them? Ah, on? you see, the lady's got a greenhouse. That's a good way of doing it, isn't it, Tom? That'd be good. So, do we start them now, then? Yes. Well, I would, yes. In the greenhouse? Yeah. Because okay. that they kept quite cool, aren't they? Which means they developed fairly slowly, wouldn't they? And that would work quite well, wouldn't it? And that's it. And you could actually even bring them back into your house, put them into the kitchen area, you'd get some fragrance that way, or you could plunge the pot into the ground once they become hardened off. Uh, so, yeah, I'd start them off in a greenhouse. Or you've got a conservatory, that would work as well. Yeah, so I've got both. Sound, can... Sounds like you're laughing, as they say. Yeah. Okay, then, thanks for your help. That's a pleasure. 
The BBC Essex Gardening Hour with Ken Crowther. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you wherever you go via our website, bbc.co.uk slash bbcessex. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0300 200 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. Ken Crowther, answering your gardening questions. This is BBC Essex.